This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. to left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. It's one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. I know everybody's now excited. Commander Cody, you're excited. Matt Olson's going to be in the Home Run Derby. Are you excited about Coors Field and the Home Run Derby? How are you, Cody? I'm great. Uh, Matt Olson, one career home run at Coors Field, so hopefully he hits more than one career, one home run in the Home Run Derby, which I think he will. It's going to be a good showcase for a lot of people because, you know, that was one of the quotes I saw from uh, C. Berman's article for, from The Athletic about how just a lot of people don't watch East or see West Coast baseball, which – I have to disagree because uh, how many All-Stars did the Giants have? How many All-Stars did the Dodgers have? The Angels had technically four All-Stars because Otani made it twice, and they had Jared Walsh. Two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, they had four. They had three All-Stars. The Padres had four four All-Stars. And, I mean, come on. So people are watching West Coast baseball. That's, I don't, not, I don't, that, that's kind of a weak old argument, you know, the, the whole I – mean, and, and, and trust me, if you cover baseball, you, you, you stay up late. You ask all these guys, they'll stay up late. They have to get up in the morning. They watch the highlight shows. They know who's good. You don't think they know, you really know about Fernando Tatis Jr.? Come on. You don't think they know what's going on in L.A.? They, they know. I mean, it's the same thing. You know, think about us. We don't really watch East Coast games. I'm not sitting around at 4 o'clock watching. We're, we're, we have a show going on. So it kind of works both ways if you think about it. because. Let, let's just say the West Coast audience, most people at 4 o'clock are still at work. Yeah. And then they're driving home, and you're not getting home till 6, 6.30. So the, the whole argument of the East Coast, they just don't pay attention. I don't necessarily buy that. We've had far too many Heisman Trophy winners come out of the West Coast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't tell me that when a football team is doing well, like back in the day, the 49ers with Joe Montana, people on the East Coast were watching. Yeah, you know good. what's going on. If Tom Brady was playing for the Seattle Seahawks, everybody'd be watching the Seattle Seahawks. So I, I, I don't necessarily buy that argument. And is it a great? Sh- is it? Is it a great showcase? I, I mean, now that Matt Olson's in it, I. But to be honest with you, I think the one. What was the year at Yankee Stadium where Josh Hamilton set the record? Did not win, but he set the record for most home runs in a round. I think that was two thousand. I'm looking it up right now. That would have been. I, th- I want to say two thousand. I would say two thousand eight. So that was. Uh, hey, that's, that's the last home run derby I've watched. Yeah. So this I year, don't watch home run derby. This year, the home run derby is at Coors Field, as we know. The last A to participate in the home run derby was Matt Chapman, if we remember, 
at uh, Progressive Field in 2019. Don't he, remember. Yeah. I, if you would have asked me who's the last one, I would have said Yoannis Cespedes. He's the last one to win back-to-back years. The A's have had three. They've had uh, the we've had the A's have had uh, three guys or two guys win the Derby three times. McGuire, remember, won at once. So Olson's looking to maybe the third player to win the uh, home run Derby is an Oakland Athletic. Olson's the second left-handed hitter from the A's to participate in the home run Derby. If my research is correct. Can you guess who the other guy was that was left-handed? Left-hander in the home run derby. I guess you'd have to go back to Giambi, right? There, there you go. It was Giambi in 2001. Do you know John Jaha? Nobody cares. Nobody know, cares. Did you know John Jaha was in the home run derby? <laughs> no, as an A? Yeah, yeah 1999. John Jaha. <laughs> yeah, he was in there. But anyway, here's, so here's what we have in the home run derby so far this year. Uh, the Polar Bear, the defending champion, who's not an all-star in the Home Run Derby. Uh, Trevor Story, not in the all-star game, but the hometown guy in the Home Run Derby. Uh, Salvador Perez, who is an all-star in the Home Run Derby. Trey Mancini, not in the all-star game, but in taking place in the Home Run Derby. Shohei Otani, who's an all-star both ways, and now Matt Olson. So there's two more guys still needed to be picked for the Home Run Derby that we're looking for uh, for next Monday, uh, Monday night. They, 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 they ruined the event. It used to be a cool event. If you remember back, they'd have 10 guys, everybody. I think it was 10, 10 or 8 guys. And you'd get up. You'd have one round. You got 10 outs. And then when you had 10 outs, you were done. And everybody hit once. And when it was over, you know, we all went bye-bye. And it was in the day, too. It wasn't even at night, if you remember back. Everybody would take BP. Guys would talk to the media, and then they would roll out home run derby, and then it'd be it'd be over. It wasn't even dark out. But for some reason, you know, obviously ESPN's made the big investment, and they want to try and capitalize as much as they can. They want to have the ratings because there's nothing going on in sports. Well, that's different this year because the NBA Finals will be going on, right? Yeah, and we're, we're in game game five of the Stanley Cup, so that might be done. The NBA Finals starts tonight, game one. Suns, Bucks. And we know one. how the NBA Finals works. You play one game, then you take a week off, and then you play two <laughs> games, and you take three weeks off. I mean, the NBA Finals. It, you you want to talk about uh, not having any rhythm to it whatsoever because it's not like you know normal playoffs because they do this ridiculous stuff with television. I mean, you can have two days off before you see another game. So we, we haven't had a good rhythm to the NBA Finals. I mean, it was it was bizarre covering the Warriors in the Finals. Uh, here, here's how it works. You got, uh, as people probably, I mean, some people probably excited to see the Suns and, and Bucks. No be- excited to see the well, Suns. I mean, well, they haven't been there since 1993. But, th- I mean. Is Charles Barkley still on the team? I mean, there's, by the way, there's nobody playing any, on either team that has any championship uh, experience. Like, nobody has a, a ring. Uh, only Jay Crowder played in the NBA Finals. It was last year, but game Execu- one. The, hold on, the executives in New York are like, "Oh my God, we've got the Bucks against the Suns." Got- how much? How much you want to bet? This will be the lowest rated NBA Finals in years. Oh, probably in year. First of all, you're 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 in July, where we're not used to watching basketball at this point. And you got the Bucks and the Suns. The only saving thing is you, you have. Wait, you wait. 
The only thing these you- finals are going to be these finals are going to be horrifically bad. The only thing that saves you is you got Giannis Antetokounmpo, but he's hurt. He he might not even play. He might not even play tonight or game two. <laughs> you literally could walk down the street and ask people if they know who this guy is, and they don't. So game one tonight, game two Thursday, game three Sunday, game four Wednesday. So it won't it conflict with the All Star break? Game five Saturday. So you go. It goes uh, tonight, Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday. So there are days in between. They, how do you they, even get into that? They were taking I mean, as, as a fan. How, how do you get into a series when there's so many days off? Look at it there's last no year. Problem. Look at it last year. They were taking multiple days off when they're playing in a bubble in Orlando. They didn't even have yeah. to travel. And by the way, it was a modern day worse ratings. You had you had LeBron James. You had the Lakers in the NBA Finals, and it was a modern-day low. If if LeBron James and the Lakers can't get ratings, what do you think the Bucks Suns is going to be? Yeah, well. The, the, Nobody's the, the, watching the NBA. I'm telling you, everything is down. Well, so we, are, Cody, so many things are down. The Oscars, the Golden Globes, the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, I don't think, had ever gone down in my lifetime. And this was the lowest-rated Super Bowl this past Super Bowl since, what, like 2006 or something like that? This, this, this NBA Finals is going to be horrific. Well, sorry. Well, uh, sorry, Italian Stallion and Joey Levatore. You've got his sons in the finals. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I don't think that's going to be must-watch TV. Well, I, I, I would even put maybe the home run derby up against it. I don't want to uh, be a bearer of bad news, but I just saw this on Twitter, and we, we do have breaking news, and it has to do with the A's and the bullpen. So I'm going to play the sounder because uh, this is going to be uh, – this is breaking. Live from the ABC Sports Desk in New York, I'm Chris Townsend. According to Matt Kawahara on Twitter, this is from Bob. This is I from do, Bob. Do I even want to hear this? Uh, well, it, yeah, we have to do it. This is what we do. According to Bob Melvin, Trevor Rosenthal is going to have hip surgery, and his quote is, we will not see him this year. So, hip surgery? Yeah, so Trevor Rosenthal, we will not see him in an A's uniform this year. Hip? What? He had that thoracic outlet syndrome. That's syndrome. That's in your shoulder, so now he's having hip surgery? Uh, $11 million, and you won't make one pitch for the Oakland A's. Just just wrap your, wrap your head around that one. You're going to get paid $11 million, and he will not pitch one game for the Oakland Athletics. And where we held out hope. You know, could we see him in August? Could we see him in September? Oh, what that would mean, adding a guy like this. I'm still not going to be, as much as I love Liam Hendricks as a person, as a player, I still think what a gamble that was. The White Sox put out, what was it, 54 or 58 million? 54. the largest number ever for a closer, for a guy who's never even been a closer for a, for a full year. And I was happy that Liam got that money to take care of his family. It was the one big payday of his career. 
and he's having another very good year. But, yeah, the A's are not going to shell out the biggest contract in the history of baseball for a closer. And I thought the Rosenthal was a good deal. He threw the ball great last year from Kansas City to San Diego. And he is a legitimate closer. Man. Well, I told you, Pitcher Depot, that's where all these GMs are going. You got to go to Pitcher Depot. And what you're going to find, you're going to have a couple aisles of relievers. You're going to have a couple aisles of starters. But it's time to go shopping. This bullpen has been a dumpster fire lately. And when you got guys coming out throwing 88 to 93 miles an hour, that ain't going to cut it. But how many guys are really out there? And what, what are you going to have to give to get one of these legit relievers that are on the market right now? And I, I got to assume Billy Bean, David Forrest are pounding the phones. But right now, when you go to Pitcher Depot, there's nothing on sale. Aisle one, you know what aisle one is? Aisle one is guys who throw around 100 miles an hour. Aisle two, still throw pretty hard, and you got some saves in your career. Aisle three, that's desperation. But that's in the reliever section. Then you got the starter section, and, man, you're really not going to get any deals over there. Reliever and starters when you go to Pitching Depot. Check it out at pitchingdepot.com. Well, that you use the coupon code to get a deal. <laughs> well, well I tell you right now, David Forrest, you better come up with something because, man, if the A's are going to make the playoffs, they're going to have to. I mean, how many arms do they need? They probably need multiple arms. Yeah, and after that that tweet we saw yesterday uh, from Buster Olney talking about how he's mentioned how the Red Sox to a high-ranking executive would be a great landing spot for Kimbrel, And he said, no, it's going to be between the A's and the Astros. Man, if you can land Kimbrel now, because the Cubs, uh, wait for it, <clears throat> they lost again yesterday. That's, uh, what is that, 11 in a row that they've, they've lost? So the Cubs, uh, they're, they're definitely falling out of it. If you can land Kimbrel in the ERA he has and the year he's having, now to replace Rosenthal because he's going to be out for the year with the, the hip surgery, to go on top of the thoracic outlet syndrome surgery, I would totally pull the trigger to try to get someone like him. MLB.com mentioned Daniel Bard again. He's a guy to throw it. His average velo on his fastball is around 98, and his sinker is around 97, almost 98. He's a great story. Throws hard. He has a very high ERA this year. It's over four, but he has a lot, he's 12 saves. So maybe try to get both of them. Why not? I mean, you're throwing guys out that are that your bullpen hasn't been good uh, this, in the last what, last couple weeks. So why not try to get a couple guys to throw hard? It's not. It's it's not a why not. It's a must. If you truly want to win, if you want to patchwork it, all right. But if you really want to win, and you and you think you can compete in the postseason, you need guys like that. And how about for the Cubs? I mean, you need a third baseman. You need a shortstop. You need a first baseman. I mean, they have to be. I mean, they were my third inning hit yesterday. They have to be open for business right now. I mean, how often can you go get players like this, especially off one team? You know, we mentioned it yesterday. Is Josh Donaldson on the market? Nelson Cruz? So there's some bats out there 
you know, the, the Cubs guys are going to be free agents, so they're rental. If you're going to go after someone like J.D., you're going to have to take on salary. Nelson Cruz is always on a one-year deal. But you're going to have to do something. And for the A's, too, I mean, it's very obvious whether you're talking about an outfielder, a DH. But there's a lot of people out there shopping right now. So it makes it tough. God, Trevor Rosenthal, $11 million and will never throw a pitch for the Oakland A's in his career. Not, I mean, the odds of him coming back next year were slim anyway. But think about that. One year, 11 mil, and never throw a single pitch. Now, remember, a lot of that money was deferred, too, if I'm not mistaken. But still, yeah, you're right. He will probably never throw a pitch for the A's. Well, I mean, the only way we he'd ever throw a pitch is if he comes back next year. <laughs> he resigns, which, yeah. you know, who Maybe. knows what his career is going to look like. But that's so odd to have a – it's like a shoulder-slash-clavicle type injury. It's nerve. And then to have hip surgery? Yeah, they're and saying that, it's that, – That's what throws your season off? They said it's a torn labrum. Is what in the in his hip? I guess is what people. I saw Steve Berman from the Athletic and Shane Rubin from the Mercury News are saying is what the injury was. So what did Bob Melvin just have his uh, press conference? Yeah, it was around two fifty. So we are still finishing our our in our talk with Steve Sparks. So right when he was talking. Sometimes you're unlucky. Sometimes you make bad decisions, like Billy Butler. Bad decision. This is one that you thought was a really good decision that you'd have your closer. I mean, remember when we talked to him, when he signed, he was excited to be here, you know, coming to a team where he knows he's got a chance to win. And right before the season to have that injury. And now this, that's pretty sad. Blummer, how are you? I'm good, Tony. How you been, man? We were actually talking about you the other day as a big trade acquisition of the Chicago White Sox. <laughs> and we we're talking about, hey, at the time, maybe people didn't think it was the biggest deal. But next thing you know, you're in a statue there on the south side of Chicago. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you bringing that up. And trust me, Kenny Williams was wondering about that trade until I took that swing, too. <laughs> well, it, it worked out, didn't it? Hey, that's all that matters. You know, if it wasn't for Bob Milano at University of California teaching me how to switch hit, I would have never hit that home run. So it always comes back to the roots in the Bay Area. But, yeah, yeah it, it was meant to be, and I was very grateful for the fact that I was in Chicago at that time. You know, rumors are out there right now, and, of course, the A's and Astros are both looking for bullpen help right now. I mean, how nice, whether it's the A's or the Astros, uh, with the Cubs losing 10 in a row, picking up like a Craig Kimbrell, how big would that be for either of these organizations? Yeah, it's kind of funny that you said that because I've actually had a couple of friends and uh, people who watch the Astros games kind of saying, you know, who out there would be available to go out there and pick up? And, I mean, if you could pick up a guy like Craig Kimbrell and put him in, a, put him back in a situation where his innings really start to count, and there's some intensity involved, I would imagine you'd probably get a guy that would go out there and be lights out for you. And I, and having a guy who's had experience in the postseason, he's had experience in big markets, he's had experience in crucial situations and has the history that he has, and you put him on a winning team that is out there built to you know win a not just a division, but hopefully win a, a pennant out there in the American League between these two teams, 
why wouldn't you go out there and just kick the tires and see if you could pull something like that off? Because he'd be a huge asset. Yeah, the Cubs situation has just been, you know, weird for a while. They got some really good players, but they don't like their own players. They expected more championships. They only got the one. Uh, you know, people are going to be kicking the tires on Baez and Brian and Rizzo. Uh, if you were around the Cubs, what, what would you do? I, I would go ahead and try and make a sell for it and just to see what I could get back as far as prospects, because I think that's kind of the trend. You know, when Theo Epstein left, you kind of lost the identity of what the Cubs were going to be. And I think they're trying to figure that out right now. And I'm not sure, you know, if players kind of reacted to that saying, OK, maybe this isn't going to be the spot where we go out. We made our run. We got a ring in 2016. But past that, you know, are they going to be able to sustain a big winning window? And here we are, you know, five years removed from that. It seems like it's about time to go ahead and jettison some of these veterans and bring in some fresh young talent and give Dave Ross, you know, a, a whole new young roster or something to build around. But uh, if those pieces are available, they've got some real opportunity to get some good prospects in return. Because like you just said, I mean, these are these are high value, very good ball players that might be available. You know, when I think about the All-Star game, obviously it's an honor to go. But there's a lot that goes into it. How nice is it for players to be able to say, I'm taking the break, I'm going home, I'm sleeping in my own bed, I get to see my kids. All-Star game's great, but sleeping in your own bed is also great. Yeah, I, I wish I had the luxury of being thoroughly annoyed by being an All-Star one time. <laughs> Just one time is all I would have asked. Uh, but, you, you know, these guys that go and the demands that are being put on on these players for a 162 game schedule, I do get it. And having talked to a lot of these guys, you know, your, your time is precious to you when you're playing such a demanding schedule like baseball has to offer. And then you put that all-star game in the middle of the season where, you're, you know, some of that time off is so valuable. A lot of these teams are going to be at 85, 86 games. And if you could get four days off your feet and just let the legs rest, let the arm rest, and, and come back rejuvenated, recharged for that stretch run when you're trying to go for a pennant would probably mean a lot to these guys. And you guys know this as well as I do. You know, all these teams have analytics for a lot of numbers. They also have it for health. You know, there's some health data that's out there that says, you know, if you can take some time off your legs, it's only going to make you better down the stretch. And I'm sure a lot of teams and players are looking at that right now. But still, I would imagine it's, it's a great honor for those guys to get res the respect of being an all-star. But if they could add a couple more days off for those guys, it'd be nice. Yeah, with StatCast, I mean, you, you pretty much can chart anything, and you now know how <laughs> much each player is running. I mean, you think if you play all your games at the Oakland Coliseum, you know, Matt yep. Chapman going from third to the dugout every inning is far different from, like, Ramon Laureano or Stephen Piscotty coming from center field and right field, and they can chart how much you cover, how much you're running. Uh, and, and that's kind of new, but I think it's kind of important, too, to know, hey, which guys are – they've been running so much, these guys need a breather. Yeah, the, the days of suck it up are, are long gone. You know, now it's, it's are you okay? Can you go another day? Because you're right. You know, I know for a fact when the Astros go through, uh, through Oakland and you talk about guys like Michael Brantley, who's, you know, at 33, 34, is one of the older guys on the team, and he's got to run all the way out to left field three three straight days. There's going to be a DH day on that fourth day. I can almost guarantee it. Uh, but you're right in the sense that they do track a lot of movement with, with those guys out there. And uh, they're using it to their benefit. And they wouldn't be doing it if they didn't see the, you know, the dividend 
of them getting those days off. Well, you mentioned Michael Brantley. My God, this guy, it seems like he hits like 800 against the A's. He's hitting 340 this year. I, I mean, I can't, ima- I, can't even, I can't even imagine what Cleveland was thinking letting this guy go. Just talk about, you know, as a hitter, what a treat he is to watch. So when he was with the Cleveland Indians, you'd go through there or they would come through our ballpark and you'd go, oh, my gosh, here's that Michael Brantley guy again. And he would just real quietly get two hits a night and leave your ballpark, you know, hitting 500 in a series with about three or four RBIs. And you're going, man, wouldn't it be nice to have that guy in your team? And now we've had him for a good three years now. And even the threat of him signing somewhere else after playing here for two years, we were like, no. But uh, he came back and he's been better this year. Uh, He's got one of the best left-handed swings I've ever seen. And if you could give me nine Michael Brantleys in this analytic age where everybody is shifting, uh, I, my team would be the best team out there because he has an unbelievable ability to to use what you're doing against him against you, and that's what makes him just one of the best pure hitters I've ever seen. Uh, he's one of the most laid back. He's one of the most smart. Uh, he's a great guy in the clubhouse, and just all the way around, you couldn't have asked for a better guy or hitter to be in your lineup. But, yeah, him watching him on a daily basis gives me a whole new respect for what he goes out and does every day. When's Bregman going to get back? Um, I think everybody around here is hoping kind of after the all-star break, uh, you know, I think rushing him back beforehand might be a little bit of a stretch because he's had issues with his hamstrings from spring training on. And then, uh, you know, the left quad, maybe a compensatory injury where he was trying to use that quad to cover up maybe the issues with the hamstring. And now you're just in the mode, I think, of just get to 100% because we're playing good baseball the team has the American League lead or the American League West uh, division lead. So if we can get through these next six days, give him another four days off during the All-Star break and make sure that he is 100% for that uh, stretch run towards uh, July, August, and September, I think they're going to err on that side of the caution. So maybe after that All-Star break sometime, probably relatively quick. Yeah, the reality is we're dealing with it with Mark Canna right now and his hips and his lower yeah. back is – there, there's just certain injuries, and you can talk to this, that the only thing you can really do to get better is rest and not play. Yeah, you know, it goes back to that suck it up thing I was talking about. In the past, guys would try and find, a, you know, try and out milligram the injury and try and go out there and play a little bit more. But, you know, this day and age where they're so intent on making sure guys are healthy, and I think players are a little more aware of their health too because, if you're going to go out there and earn a contract, you've got to make sure that you're playing at 100%. You can put up the numbers to get paid. And, you know, it only helps the ball club, too, when you're healthy. But certain injuries, I just think that you cannot try and push, you know, lower backs, uh, you know, big muscles, the, the hamstrings and the quads. Those are things you just can't try and play through because they have a tendency to linger. And the more they linger, the worse they get. And eventually they, uh, they, they put you on the injured list at, in, at a bad time. And I think it's better for these guys to make sure they're 100% before they come back, especially when you're playing. Again, if you're if you're playing for a team that's out of it, hey, take your time or push through it, whatever you want to do. But if you're on a team like the A's or the Astros, uh, you better come back and make sure you're uh, ready to be put in the middle part of that lineup. You know, Boston was just in town, so we got to see the Red Sox. And uh, I've been saying this on the postgame show, that when you look at Boston, you look at Tampa, you look at Toronto – I guess you can throw the the Yankees in there, White Sox, Cleveland, Astros, A's, maybe, just maybe Seattle. You know, there's a lot of teams that got a shot at this thing, but I don't see any of these teams being like the perfect, complete team. 
I, I think it's really kind of it's just who gets hot. Everybody's got a puncher's chance. How do you see the American League? No, I completely agree, and that's why you see teams going back and forth, beating each other up, uh, and, and it creates opportunity for teams like Tampa Bay to still be in it because they have the depth of the organization. And you've got the Boston Red Sox who are playing much better with Alex Corey, and they're putting him in the in the right spots. But it goes back to what you just talked about with some of these teams getting towards that trade deadline because I think everybody else recognizes the fact that, yes, we could fight this thing out, but do we have enough in our organization to go out there and create an opportunity to make that next step and get better than the Boston Red Sox? Find, get, find pitching that could neutralize a Rafael Devers or some of the guys in their lineups. You know, is, is Craig Kimbrell an answer in Oakland to offset some of the right-handed hitters here in Houston? You know, I think that's where a lot of people, you might be right in that sense, where other teams are recognizing that and kind of seeing where – where and how they could go out there and make themselves just a step better to be able to put themselves a little bit deeper into that playoff situation. We joke all the time that the Blue Jays could be the best team in New York. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy crazy to think that it's basically going to be two years that they never even play in their home ballpark. How crazy is that? It's crazy. And it's also sad too. I mean, I understand the circumstances of a pandemic and the security issues and the safety issues and, and making sure that everything is right. But, you know, ultimately, you know, yes, the players are going to pay the price because they have not been able to play in their home ballpark and use the advantages of being in Rogers Center. But I always go back and think about, think about the 30,000, 40,000, you know, fans that want to show up and watch Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, Vladimir Guerrero. They're watching these guys perform at peak levels in an incredible year where numbers are going up for them and they're competing for that American League East title and they don't get to watch. That's probably the one, the, probably the hardest thing for me to see in that ball club is knowing that they don't get to play at home in front of their fans and really get to be embraced by a great city like Toronto. Yeah, and it's truly one of the great stops each year on the baseball yeah. calendar. Speaking of, of traveling, have they said anything to you guys when they think you guys might start traveling? Next year. Yeah, we, we got the confirm that we are not going to travel this year. So a little bit of disappointment in that. But the hope for next year is uh, that we'll be on the road, be able to get out there to the Bay Area and see some family and friends. Well, you know, we watch your games all the time. You guys are doing a great job. And I just know how tough it is to cut. You know, I was with uh, Ken Korak yesterday and we were talking about just, you know, how tough it is to call baseball of all sports off a monitor. It's just not easy. It's not easy at all, and and you're when you're on the road, and you know this, having having seen the global views, you you fall victim of you know of what that home stadium is sending you, and uh, you could I bet you could use your imagination and try and understand some of the visuals that we're seeing on our home on, on our home broadcast of visiting fans and some of their some of their uh, imaginative imaginative uh, signs that they have put up for. Houston Astro players that end up on our on our show is kind of tough. So that makes it a little bit tougher. And then, like you said, I mean, we miss a pitch here. We miss a play there. We don't have a replay. Uh, we don't have a, you know, a, a good angle of a great play that one of our guys makes. And it makes it extremely tough. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that fans don't notice the difference. But, you know, guys like you and I, we have a certain amount of pride in what we do. And we can recognize the differences in being able to call it off a monitor or in person. Hey, you know, one thing, let's end on this. And and one thing that uh, we talk with Ray Fossey all the time, just the catchers and the pitchers with their cards and with guys on second base, it drives Fossey nuts. And it's like, 
We're now acting. We're, we're now acting like every base runner is a is a code cracker, and every base runner is the FBI. It's like, are we getting a little out of hand with 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 protecting our signs? Yeah, you know what? The paranoia is real, and it's out there. And uh, you know, we all know that it's it, it started a long time ago, and then was really enhanced in in one particular year that I don't, I probably don't need to bring up. But yeah, there is a certain paranoia out there that everybody needs to have this. Uh, you know, NSA type sign decoding your <laughs> ring. And then, you know, we have the TSA coming out and checking pictures after every inning. So, yeah, we're in an interesting stage of baseball right now, to say the least. Well, yeah, spin rates are down. We're seeing that all over baseball, but at some point, <laughs> yep. the paranoia gets a little old. Blummer, you're one of our favorites. Thank you so much for stopping by. Have a great all star break, and we'll talk to you in the second half. No, I appreciate you, Tony. Always a good opportunity for me to be on with you guys out there in the Bay Area. I appreciate you, too. The great Cal Bear. See you, Blummer. Take care. Wednesday is known as hump day for everyone during the work week. But on A's Cast Live, Wednesday means one thing. It's time for 30 uninterrupted minutes with the two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, two-time Rawlings Gold Glove winner, A's analyst on NBC California, and the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey. Hi, Ray. Hi, Tony. How you doing, buddy? Well, we just had Steve Sparks on. I thought he made a really good point about how things could be changing from a pitching standpoint to where if you can't <laughs> if you can't do the the sticky icky, uh, maybe split fingers, circle change, uh, maybe certain pitches will go back in vogue since those are pitches that you would not want sticky stuff for maybe even a knuckleball. Well, that would be good because I know that uh, I think it was Kevin Gossman who, uh, who said, I don't have to use that because I throw a splitter and a kind of a change up. So yeah. And you, and you don't want, you, you don't want that. And, and definitely the knuckleball. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd be interested to find out. Did you ask Steve if he had the, if they had the, uh, what do they call the uh, revolution? The uh, spin rate. What are those? Spin rate. Do they have spin rate on knuckleballs? No, you do not. You do not want a spin rate whatsoever. And he talked about like he stayed away from rosin. He didn't even want rosin. Yeah. Dry as possible. Well, I, I know that the baseballs were so hard that uh, that he said it would be difficult to throw the knuckleball simply because he could not get the fingernails into the baseball. They were so hard. So, you know, it, it, it really would kind of take away. So they have to change the manufacturing of the baseball. But, you know, that's, that's a good point about the, uh, the sticky tacky stuff because uh, – you know, first and foremost, I don't think the umpires are doing due diligence and in, in checking. They're just kind of, it's like a formality. Okay, they're supposed to do it. Let's do it. And, um, you know, if you're really going to do it, why check just certain areas? I don't know. Maybe that's why they're looking at certain areas like the belt buckle or inside the belt, buck, uh, belt buckle, the, the cap, and I guess the glove. But, you know, if you want to put some stuff on your body, you can put it in a number of places and still be able to use it. Uh, I think there's no question. I and, I and it was, you know, the series the A's had with the Rangers where I think it was the second game and it was the YouTube game. And, you know, because they didn't go to commercial break at all. 
So yeah. they showed one of the pitchers. I can't remember if it was a Rangers pitcher or an A's pitcher, but it was the second day. You could tell the umpire barely looked at anything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was the yeah. second day, Ray. They're already over it. No, yeah, I, I know that. And it's almost like, matter of fact, last night as uh, J.B. Wendelkin came in, he was heading into the dugout, and there was a shot of Seth Brown telling him and pointing back out that the umpire wanted to see him. You know, that, and, and essentially he walked right by and walked into the dugout, and typically one of the umpires is running over to grab him at the uh, foul line. And then somebody else comes over or whatever. So I, I think it's much to do about nothing, my friend. But, you know, that's what you're trying to do. And uh, we'll see if it continues. But, you know, I think it's going to go away. I, I think uh, – um, I, I don't know what it's going to take. But uh, the, the, the – first of all, spin rates were never in vogue whenever I played. So I had no idea what the heck they were talking about. And I still don't. I, I, I still – I still don't know how to calculate whenever they talk about a fastball, curveball, slider, and all those other pitches that they look at the spin rates. How in the heck can you talk about the, the number of revolutions in, in a matter of, a, what, a split second? And then if it goes down, then, oh, by the way, we've got to figure out something because something's causing that uh, reduced velocity or reduced spin rate. And now we have to start checking. And so I, I don't know. I, I think it's. Much to do about nothing, County. It's all I can say. Well, whatever your spin rate is, the Astros don't seem to have a problem with it. Ray, they've been beating up on the A's, and they've basically been beating up on everybody else. I mean, since May 30th, they have outscored their opposition 217 to 122. That, I mean, that they're hitting lights out. County, there's not an out, an easy out in that lineup. And, you know, last night, it had been nice if the A's could have scored 10 runs. Maybe they would have won in the first inning, you know, because when they scored the three, the A's did. I said, that's not going to be enough. And, and then uh, Alvarez, it's a two-run home run. The A's come back and score three more. I said, okay, you know, maybe something. And then they were shut down after that. But the Astros just keep coming back. There, there is nothing – in their mentality that says that they are out of any game until the 27th out. And, you know, we were talking last night that, you know, there are tough 27 out parks. The Astros included in that one, just because of the Crawford boxes and left short right field fence and right, the ball carries so well in those directions. If you hit the ball left center, right center, by the way, do you see where Tony Kemp was playing last night in left center? I can't remember who the hitter was, but there was probably 120 feet between Tony Kemp and the left field foul line. That's how much they were trying to get the getting the hitter hit the ball to left center to right center, and uh, you know it's just amazing with the park the way it is. But you know, bottom line, Townie, they just are a good team. They're pitching this the Saldes kid last night. Um, probably had his worst outing of the year coming back the way it is. Kind of reminded me a little bit of Sean Manaya when Sean missed most of the season, came back in September, had had a great September, but this kid came back much earlier than expected. And uh, from a fractured index finger on his pitching hand, that usually, and they were talking about maybe the entire season, he comes back last night. So 
they um, they've got a good team. That's all I can say. They have a good team, and uh, you you just have to figure out a way to beat them. And and I don't know how you do it, to be honest, uh, because I just I just don't believe. First of all, they don't give up. And uh, what can you say? They're a good team. Well, Shamanaya, you know, you look what he's been doing, Ray. Last seven starts, he has a 1.24 ERA, and his average fastball is up a tick, almost at 93 miles per hour, and he's been carrying that throughout the, the throughout the entire start lately. You know, when you talk about Shamanaya, what have you been seeing? Well, what I I saw was the start in Houston, uh, where at, really at the beginning of the season, whenever uh, uh, the A's were at home against Houston, the Dodgers, and then all of a sudden they go to Houston, they lose the first game, and Frankie Montas and Manaya come out, I think it's Manaya first, and they started pounding fastballs. Um, Alvarez couldn't hit a fastball from Sean Manaya on the outside part of the plate, and I, I was surprised because I thought he'd be hitting ball left field, but he started using his fastball and spotting his fastball, and if he does that consistently, which he has been doing, I'm not surprised his numbers are where they are. I don't know what happened. He just looked a little bit frustrated in his last start at the Coliseum uh, after he was named the American League Pitcher of the Month. But uh, other than that, he seems he seems to be utilizing his fastball more. And, again, if he does that, he's going to be successful because we all know that you're going to use your other pitches off of your uh, – you're going to pitch off your fastball you're going to utilize your other pitches off your fastball. And if you do that, you're going to be successful. You know, Ray, when you start talking about the trade market, I mean, it's pretty obvious what the A's are going to need. They're going to need bullpen help. They're going to need some uptick in velocity out of the bullpen. And yes, Merrill Petit, he is tied for the most appearances in 2021 at 42. He has struggled lately. Um, Bob Melvin has used him a lot, and we're just in July. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he's been used as his go-to guy to get out of the jam. And you, you know, it's, it's a matter of guessing with him. It's almost like guessing fastball changeup because he, he uses his deception more than anything. And whenever the deception is good, he fools a lot of hitters. Sometimes it's very surprising that he has the success. He does uh, fooling the guys the way he does, but, um, you know, when he comes into a ball game, it's, um, you know, you're hopeful that it's going to be a good one, that the deception is there. And that's what Scott Emerson always talks about the, you know, disruption of timing. And that's what pitching is all about. But, um, but, but I think from, from, uh, Yusmero's standpoint, he's never ever going to be, and never has been able to throw the ball 98 miles per hour. And you don't expect that to happen. Now you add somebody, uh, that can, on top of that, then maybe that's a different situation where he can be utilized more. But, you know, Tony, the A's have what they have. And, uh, you know, as the trading line does approach, it's going to be interesting to see what the A's do. But um, uh, they're going to have to do something. And it's usually the bullpen because if starters aren't going to go deep, uh, then it's going to be a telling tale of what's going to happen towards the back end of the game. Well, as I like to say, Ray, I kind of made this up. It's uh, it, you got to go to Pitching Depot if you're going to be shopping for pitchers for relievers and starters, and there's going to be a lot of teams going shopping at Pitcher Depot. <laughs> I, 
I like that, Tony. You had a patent of that because no, no, you know what? Uh, I want I want you to use that on NBC Sports California. <laughs> now, that's that's a good one because you know what? I think you're gonna be exactly right. You think every team that has the possibility of playing in postseason, that's exactly the, what they're gonna be looking for. Starting pitching, bullpen help, uh, whatever they can get to help them become a better team. That's, <laughs> that's a good one, Tony. That's a good one. Because- oh, yeah. Because, hey, hey, think about it, Ray. On aisle one, you got relievers who throw 100. Aisle two, you got veteran guys. Aisle three, you got guys who are a lot cheaper, but they don't throw 100. And then you got the whole starter wing of, of Pitcher Depot. I mean, this is a big store now. <laughs> Oh man! But you know what? What's your availability? That's that's the whole thing. Because the more teams you have that think they have a possibility of going into postseason, then the availability of those pitchers to put in those various roles you talked about uh, become depleted because they're not being put in those roles, and maybe they're being gobbled up even before they get into the store. You know so. But I, I don't know. But, you know, I go back several years ago when Jim Messier, uh, that name's always going to stand out because he was acquired at the trading deadline. Everybody says, what is what, what are the A's doing? This guy, Jim Messier, was, he was outstanding. He did a tremendous job. Uh, I think he had like a club foot or something. Guys would try to bunt yeah. on him and different things. But, but you know what? It was impossible. He was a tremendous pitcher. He did a great job helping the athletics win. But, um, but, but, you know, I think you really have to look at somebody who's durable, somebody could, you know, throw and, – and can somebody who throws hard be durable? Are you concerned that maybe he's going to break down because he does throw hard? So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But it's always a good time to start thinking about that. And I'm glad you brought it up instead of all the, the all-star stubs and all that kind of stuff that people want to talk about um, that, that I just wish they would – you know, name the all-stars, not even play the game. Well, play the game because the, the, the money goes to good causes. But, uh, um, but yeah, it, it's that good time of the year. I mean, heck, almost approaching 100 ball games that's been played. So you're almost down to that uh, that end of the season that the A's and the teams had last year due to the pandemic. That uh, um, you, you have the 60-game schedule and you're ready to go. But uh, it's going to be an interesting time of the year, and I think the teams that feel that they can do something, the A's are right there. They're going to have to do some things to make themselves better, and uh, let's just see what David and uh, and Billy have a chance and see what they want to do. Um, what is this, July July the 7th, July the 8th? So, yeah, I mean, there, there's some time. It's, it's, it's happening pretty quickly, so I think we're going to be seeing some results of exactly what's going to be happening pretty soon. Ray, you don't you don't want to break down home run derby? Well, home run derby, yeah, that you know maybe they should just play the home run derby and then forget about it because that's where the attention's going to be. Um, and I'm glad to see Matt Olson's in there. I don't think it's going to change his swing um, because I know there's been some guys who's whose swings have changed due to uh, participating in the home run derby. I don't think Matt Olson, I'm happy he's going to be in there. I'm just very, very disappointed, Tony, that uh, these players are not going to be able to participate in the all-star game of the home run derby in their 
team uniforms. I, I still think it's a joke that if they go to just one uniform for American, one for a national, you know, for, for the home run derby, okay, that's one thing. But whenever you're playing the game, you're representing a team, your team that says your name on your uniform. And, and that's the way it should be played. And I, I'm just disappointed that Major League Baseball has gone to that direction to, um, I mean, it's about money, you know, try to sell jerseys and, and try to do some things that, that way. But I, I just think it's, um, it's just disappointing that they're doing that. Well, Shohei Otani's playing home run derby every day, so I, I don't think it's going to change his swing as he hit his his thirty second home run. We're not even at the All Star break; he's yeah. got thirty two. He's going to have a legit shot at going after Roger Maris because I think we all know how people feel about Bonds, McGuire, Sosa hitting more yeah. than sixty one home runs in an era where guys are getting tested. If he can get over 61, that, that's going to be an interesting mark, and I'll be an interesting debate. I think it's going to be as well. And, and I, I, you know, I, I talk about Hank Aaron's being a legitimate, uh, you know, total in a career. I, I say that all the time because I, I just don't believe that you could take what players were doing, doing during that period of time to uh, break records, eclipse records. And, you know, I, I think of, of – uh, uh, of Reggie Jackson, you know, what's, what, 563, something like that. That's nothing. And, and Harmon Killebrew and, and, but, uh, you know, I, I agree with you that if Shohei Otani can do that, that's going to be pretty special. And uh, I think it will be looked at as the record for the most home runs in a single season. And you know what would really be nice, County, to see him do it in 154 games. So there could be no asterisks about anything because, uh, Babe Ruth did a hundred or did 60 in 154. It took Roger to do 160, uh, do 61 in what 162 games or something like that. So, uh, it, it would be nice to see Shohei Otani do it in 100, 154 games and then nobody can say anything. Yeah. And, and, and the Angels have this dilemma of, hey, we want this guy to be a pitcher, but he's got to play every day. If they're going to yeah, have yeah. any type of shot, He's got to be in the lineup every single day, and at some point, you gotta you, you gotta weigh the value of what he is—a hitter versus a pitcher. No, I agree, and I, I think it's got to be more of a hitter. Uh, yes, he's a very talented young man to be able to pitch the way he does and can pitch, but uh, unless you utilize him in the pitcher's role as a hitter. Uh, put him in there. I don't see how you can take his bat out of the lineup. I agree with you 100% on that, that his bat has got to be just as important. Now, now there's a team that might go after a starting pitcher, so they could say, okay, Otani, you know, you're going to be a hitter, and we're going to take advantage of your opportunity to swing the bat now versus maybe taking the chance of you hitting or, or pitching. Now, the amazing thing last year, Tony, when he had the Tommy John surgery, he still hit, <laughs> you know, when a guy has Tommy John surgery, he's out for a year, year and a half. Yet here's a guy who puts all that paraphernalia on his right elbow to keep it from doing whatever. And he's up there swinging the bat. I said, that's unfair. A guy has Tommy John surgery. He's supposed to be out. You can't do that, but that's how talented. I mean, he's a, he might be the most talented man we've seen in baseball uh, just to be able to do what he does, both pitching and swinging the bat. He's, he's truly amazing, Ray, and it's going to yeah. be a 
full display. I mean, you know what it's like to play in the All-Star game. How about to pitch and hit in an All-Star game? I mean, it's incredible. Well, that's going to be very unique. And, and people will watch the game for that reason alone, just to see how uh, how uh, Shohei Otani is going to be used by Kevin Cash. And, you know, the thing is, a manager doesn't have much to do as far as selection, but he has a lot to do about who plays when and trying to get as many players in as possible. Now that it's an exhibition game, you can get everybody in a lineup as long as you have somebody left and you don't, you don't want it to have extra innings that you have to cancel the game like they did in 94. But, uh, but, but I, I think that you, uh, as a manager, it'd be interesting to see how Kevin Cash, I'm sure he's going to be talking to Joe Madden quite a bit about how to utilize him maybe just have a token appearance as a, as a pitcher and then let him DH. I mean, he, he was selected as a, as a DH, right? And then selected as a pitcher. So essentially, he's got both. I mean, no, no player in the history of baseball has ever done that, where they've been able to, uh, to participate in an all-star game, having uh, uh, the ability to be a starting pitcher plus be a home run hitter or, or at least a position player. Will Kevin Cash actually be able to make decisions on his own during the All-Star game without his front <laughs> office telling him what to do with every single move? Will he be able to do that at the All-Star game? That might be the only game because he's not having his own players play. <laughs> that's, that's a great point, Tony, because that's a great point because maybe maybe Kevin Cash can finally manage a game and not have to worry about uh, – well, he's got so many players that are going to be playing anyway that the, the, the concentration is trying to get as many, if not all, players in the game so you don't have somebody upset. I'll never forget in um, 92 or 93 when the game was in Baltimore, when uh, Mike Messina was warming up in the bullpen, Cito Gaston was the manager, and Mike Messina planned for the Orioles, did not come in the game. And that place just started booing and booing and booing. And it was almost like at that point saying, we can never let that happen again. And, I, you know, then it got to the point where the game became uh, to determine the home field advantage in the World Series, which is really stupid because it's an exhibition game. And if you get to the point where you want to play everybody or have to play everybody, how can it be something to determine uh, home field advantage? Earl Weaver, when, when he managed the 70 All-Star game when I played, he came in and he said, we're going to win this game. I don't care what we have to do. If you, if, you, if you can't play well enough to participate and I can't use you, I don't want you to be upset. If you're going to be upset, leave right now because I want to win this game. And it meant nothing other than the pride of beating the National League. But that's how much it's changed to where – uh, you, you want everybody to play, which is all the more reason if Major League Baseball wants that, then why not let the players wear their uniforms of the team that they play on so that when they're lined up and they're introduced, then that team can be represented and you could cheer that team based on your players who's playing. Well, I still think for the game they're going to wear their own uniform. Pardon? I think they're, they're going to wear their own uniform for the game. I don't think so, Tony, because they they've used American and National for uh, the the uh, the home, home run, run derby, derby practice. But yeah, but they 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 still wear their either road jersey or home jersey based on they still wear their own. Uh, is that because I I read that they were not going to do that? 
Well, I read that that would be a change. Then, then, then your change, that would be a total change. Cause I mean, it's always been that way, but if they're changing, well, I, I know it's always been that way, but I have read that they were going to have specific uniforms for the all-star game. Really? That's awful. Yes. That is awful. Well, I agree. I mean, let's hope that's not the case. But uh, Cody uh, is they, confirming they, it, but that really doesn't mean much. He's not really that great of a source. <laughs> did Cody confirm that? Then, then Cody Cody's right on. Because I did, I did, I did read that. Matter of fact, we talked about it on the air, and everybody was said it was absurd to think that you're going to play an all-star game and not have your team team's uniform represent. Thank you, Cody. Of course, Ray. What I have is this year, however, things look a little different. MLB is standardizing uniform colors across both leagues with the National League in bright whites and their American League counterparts in navy blue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you will not have Matt Olsen lining up on the foul line to be introduced in an Oakland A's uniform, right? That's a travesty. Well. You know what? I can't say we're breaking it here because it's been talked about, but uh, that, that's why I keep bringing it up because, you know, sure, do it in America for the home run derby, you know, and the practice and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you have your jerseys, but uh, but no, when they, when I read that, I, I couldn't believe it. So it just, uh, it just gives me another reason while I'm on vacation to not watch any baseball and take a break. <laughs> but hey, by the way, Ray, today's my 88th straight game. Yeah. Well, 88 straight. You're a gamer, buddy. You're a gamer. <laughs> I cannot right wait there. for this all star break, especially yeah, after I'm that right. game last night. I'm right. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. All right, buddy. Yeah. You have a great call. I will be watching on NBC Sports. California. California. You got it, buddy. Take care. Take care, Cody. I'm glad you confirmed that because Tony trying to make me sound like I didn't know what I was talking about. Well, I me- would never do that. Remember, I would never do that. I'm not a reliable source, so don't 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 yeah, take anything I say. Reliable. This is it. He's not the AP. <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah, you are reliable, Cody. That's for sure. Thanks, Ray. Take Appreciate care, guys. It. See you, Ray. Steve, how are you? It's good to hear your voice. I'm doing great, Chris. How you guys doing? Well, after last night, not so hot, you know, this Astros lineup, I mean, you start looking at, you know, like the first six batters for the Astros, it is no day at the beach. What have you been seeing with this lineup? Well, what I'm starting to see is there's some other guys, too, with Miles Straw. I mean, I don't know if you've kind of paid attention, but like we have, but it's guys like Miles Straw that's seeing about seven or eight pitches per bat, it seems. They're starting to wear out some pitchers when when that – Lineup turns over again since he's done such a nice job here lately. Uh, it's made it even better. So, yeah, one through six, obviously, and it's been that way for a little while. Uh, they're pretty stout, even with Bregman out. Yeah, and that, that that's that's kind of the amazing thing going on right now is you look at what the Astros did to the A's last night, and Bregman's not even in the lineup, and he's one of your best players. He is. You know what? But, but they are deep. And what they do probably a little differently and a little better than a lot of teams is, is that they grind out of bats as well as anybody that, that I've seen as far as plate discipline, pitch recognition, all of those things. And we've talked about it before, but very few strikeouts still have the slug, uh, all that stuff. And when you put it together, man, it's one of the best offenses we've seen. 
You know, it's funny. I, I always say I'm old man River talking about batting average, but I think there yeah. is a correlation. The fact that the Astros hit 274, no one else is close to them, and then that right. has led to the amount of runs. I mean, the next – so the Astros right now have 800 and – oh, wait, what do they have? They have – they have 483 runs. The next closest team is 428. That 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 that's a big difference right there. It is, and that's the name of the game, right? I mean, it's all about scoring runs and how you do it. And I think what gets missed sometimes is how you do it. And when you do it by not only hitting home runs, but you're also able to go the other way. Uh, situational hitting is really good. They lead the major leagues and sacrifice flies, things of that nature. I think that goes a long way. I think a lot of people miss uh, when teams rely so much on the long ball and say score an inordinate amount of runs via the home run. Then I I think a lot of times those teams get beat by really good pitching. And that's the name of the game uh, is you can beat the, the mediocre pitchers like me but uh, can you beat the, the Garrett Coles of the world? Well, I got to tell you, you know, looking at the A's offense, that's exactly what you're talking about. You know, we're a three true outcome team. It's home run, it's walk, it's strikeout. And if we hit home runs, they're normally solos. Talk about what it's like to pitch against a team like that. Well, you know what? I, I think we saw that last year uh, with Oakland when, when you got Tommy LaStella and you had Grossman in there, and you started to put together those extended, tough at-bats that were contagious, I think that's that's missing probably in their lineup right now. There's too many guys that uh, are a little streaky. But when you get a Listella and you get a Grossman, guys that are going to go out there and grind and have a good on-base percentage, see a lot of pitches, I think that's contagious, number one. Uh, and number two, I think it, it balances out your lineup. You know, the Astros felt like they were uh, too much on the other extreme a few years ago, and that's when they went after the Josh Reddicks uh, and the Brian McCann's guys like that who put the ball in play a little bit more because the swing and miss was just too tough on them. Well, and, and I think about where we are in July, and we're seeing this all over baseball. You're seeing so many guys who are hitting 230 or left uh, two thirty mm-hmm. or less. Is that shocking to you this far into the season that just about so many lineups you see that? It is. It, you know, it, I think it's going to change, and I think we're going through a bit of a cycle right now. And I think with the crackdown, with the with the sticky stuff, we might see guys putting the ball in play a little bit more, cutting down with two strikes because it's just not a wiffle ball up, coming up there anymore. Man, it was really getting ridiculous. I thought. So, you know, the game will change a little bit. Uh, We'll see if they they change some of the things with shifting. I I think that's where a lot of this started. But uh, just uh, the inability to put the ball in play with two strikes has kind of gone away. And I think that's what's made the Astros stand out a little bit. Uh, In essence, they're able to put the ball in play even when the the count's not in their favor. And, And sometimes you get lucky that way. You know, somebody you know real well, Mark Langston was on the program. He said, you know, the problem with today's hitter is that everybody just has the same swing. It's one swing. And there's not Mm -hmm. a whole lot of adjustments going on. That made me think of Michael Brantley last night, how he's able to bring his hands in. He can pull the ball. He can take the ball the other way. However you pitch him, he will adjust. 
He's got multiple ways to beat you. We don't have a lot of guys like that anymore. Why do you think? Well, he's very, very special. I mean, he's special in any era, but he really stands out now because he does. He hits the ball where it's pitched, and I I think that's been lost. And I think we're going to start seeing, Chris, uh, guys get drafted that are more like Michael Brantley, guys that put the ball in play and can go the other way. Because of all the shifts right now, uh, if you're a left-handed hitter and you hit the ball into the shift, Kyle Tucker's gone through this when he's not able to elevate the baseball. It's an out. I mean, it doesn't matter if you hit the ball 110 miles per hour. It's an out. So to be able to hit the ball where it's pitched, to be able to manipulate the bat and the bat angle, things of that nature, I think those skills are going to be sought after, and those are the types of players you'll draft. As a knuckleballer, would you have liked the shift behind you? Yeah, I would have. You know, and I love the aggressive shift. So you saw it with uh, the A's last night with Miles Straw. Piscotti was about five steps from the right field line. I love how aggressive they get with their outfielders. The Astros do that to an extent, too. But uh, as a knuckleball pitcher, a lot of times those emergency swings and uh, those hits the other way, uh, to the opposite field. I got burned on those quite a bit. So uh, I would always try to give guys a heads up, but then you have somebody else in the dugout moving guys around. So uh, the way they have the algorithms now to put people in place where the ball's most likely to be hit, uh, I wish that was around certainly uh, back when I was playing. And when I think about spider tack or whatever glue people have been using, the sticky stuff to help spin rate, right. the last thing you want, as a knuckleballer, right? You don't want spin rate. You don't want any spin. So would the sticky stuff have helped you or would you have not even used it? No, I had to totally stay away from anything sticky. I had to stay away from raws and everything else. It had to be slick. I think the same thing, uh, Chris, it could be said for the split finger fastball. You don't want any tackiness uh, on your fingers for the, the split finger fastball. So if you're starting to compile some of this data with pitchers and see, a decline in effectiveness because their spin isn't as good on their curveball or slider, then maybe we'll start seeing pitchers who rely more on change-ups and split-fingered fastballs to get some break or some secondary action off of their fastball become more in vogue. Yeah, you know, the way it was explained to me is the fact that just like on the fastball, you take like a four-seam fastball, and it kind of helps defy gravity, and it helps it stay on the same plane longer because it's spinning so much and you're throwing it so hard. You know, it, it is truly amazing that not only does this stuff really affect your breaking balls, slider, curveball, whatever, but what it also does for your fastball. It's pretty – it's it's the fact – whoever figured this out, you're like, wow, that, that's pretty good right. up. It, it is great stuff. And, you know, the slow speed cameras and all of that thing, that stuff and, and what they figured out as far as the backspin on the baseball. And, and all it does, Chris, is it just creates deception. More than anything else, the ball doesn't rise. It just holds its line more so than an, a normal pitch. And everybody's so programmed, and they've got a database to what a ball typically does. And when it doesn't do what it typically does, that's when you get the swing and miss. And that's when you have – an effective pitcher because, you know, we were in the minor leagues and we were charting behind home plate the day before and the, the day after we were starting pitchers. And we were, we were charting guys that were throwing 86 miles per hour right at the belt, right by guys and had no idea that, you know, some of these guys just had a better spin rate 
than, than others. And that was the reason for their effectiveness. Had no idea. Thought they were lucky, to be honest with you, or thought that they were hiding the ball a little bit better. But the deception came from that spin rate, and it was deceptive to the hitter's eyes. Isn't that crazy when you think about when you played to where we are today, where, as yeah. you said, guys could be great pitchers throwing 88 miles an hour, and now, I mean, everybody's coming out of the bullpen throwing 98 to 100 or even more than 100. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I think guys get rushed to the major leagues that throw in the mid to upper 90s often because it's been proven that swing and miss is where it's at. But a lot of times, guys, you know, and the Astros are really fighting this right now. Outside of Ryan Presley, they've had a hard time finding guys not just to set him up, but just to throw strikes. And I think a lot of it stems from guys just overthrowing, you know, and, and you just don't see guys anymore. And, and Petit is kind of an outlier with the A's who pitch, you know, guys who change speeds and especially change speeds with their fastball. And you start seeing guys that change speeds on their fastball, and it's a different ball game, man. It just – it changes the whole game. You start having lower pitch counts. You start getting deeper into the ball games. Heck, you'll even complete a few games if you if you get some quicker outs by not trying to overthrow all the time. <laughs> a complete game? What is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, you know, here at, at the deadline, it seems that there's going to be a lot of GMs lining up at, at the uh, at the reliever store. Right. There's going to be that's going to be. And and I know the Astros, the A's, you know, kind of fishing in the same pond. Uh, But other than relief pitching, what else could Houston use? Um, They need a depth piece, probably. Probably an infielder, you know, I I guess, you know, Ledmys Diaz should come off the the IL in, in the next three weeks or so. Bregman should come off the IL in early August. So you get a little bit back there. But they, they don't have much depth, this team. Chaz McCormick's a good fourth outfielder, but they could use another probably outfielder as well. Uh, but as soon as somebody in the starting lineups, one of their regulars goes down, it's, it's a pretty big drop-off, and they don't have a lot of depth at the upper levels of the minor leagues right now. So I think outside of a relief pitcher, as you mentioned, I think you, you need somebody who could fill in maybe as an infielder or an outfielder, and I just don't know if it's worth it right now. Well, let's end on this. Uh, knowing that you're going to get back on the road with the team, not going to be calling games off monitors anymore, what's that going to mean for you when we talk about normalcy to, to get back on the road with the team? Well, it's being able to tell stories and, and talking with players, and, and you know, and, and uh, that's what it's kind of – that's what the listener – kind of relies on just a little bit different from what they're able to watch, you know, so we get to tell some stories and get to know these players a little better. There's a couple of guys or there's there's a few players that I've never met that have been on this team for a year and a half now. So uh, that's going to be interesting. You know, we've talked to them on zoom a little bit, but it's a, it's a whole new ball game when you get a chance to actually talk a little pitching with, with maybe somebody and find out a story or two to, to be able to relay to fans. And I think, we're all storytellers, and, and for me, uh, doing three three innings of play-by-play along with the color stuff, being able to lean into a home run call even is, is going to feel good again on the road. So uh, we were always uh, trepidatious uh, about, you know, really kind of elevating a little bit on a, on a home run call uh, because you just really couldn't tell when you weren't there in person. 
Well, it's always great to have you on, and we can't wait to see you back in Oakland. I got an impression for you if you got two seconds. I got all the time you need. All right, this is, uh, this is an impression. I want to see if you can guess who this is. All right, Vinny, before we get back, I got a little update for you. We got guys in Midland, and, and in particular, it's Tim Donahue, utility infielder. And you're not going to believe this, but it's the last six games for Donahue that stick out. How about this? He's got a homer. He's got a double. He's hitting 286 and two sacrifice flies. Three RBIs, and his kitty sitting down. Make sure Korak doesn't hear this, and make sure Fossey doesn't hear it. But listen to this. Donahue now tied for fourth in sacrifice hits in the entire Texas League. What are they waiting on? Bob Hartz. Who? Bob Hartz. <laughs> Chris Townsend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, I got you. I got you. <laughs> That's my minor league update. <laughs> yes, I have to do that every day. That is very – now that I think about it, yeah. I'm thinking, God, who's he talking about? Oh, that is – hey, that is fabulous. You know what? That, that, that might be the best thing we've had all season long, and we've been, what, 88 games? Nothing better than that. <laughs> there you go. All right, buddy. You take care. Be well. You too. Take care, man. It's always good talking to you. Matt, thank you so much for the time. I know it's early there in Houston. Uh, how are you? It's been a while. Yeah, doing well. Um, thanks for having me. And yeah, everything's good. You know, once you get named to the All-Star team, it's something that you have for the rest of your career. Uh, it will be on your Wikipedia page. It'll be on your baseball reference page. What does it mean to you? I know you haven't played in the game yet, but what does it mean to you to be able to know that you'll always be a Major League Baseball All-Star? Um, yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's definitely an honor to um, <clears throat> be named as one and, you know, to be able to you know, be in the same sentence as some of these guys who have been in All-Star games forever and, yeah, you know, it's it'll be a cool experience, I'm sure, and go have the uh, <clears throat> fun in Colorado and come back, try to win a World Series. What was it like for your family? <laughs> you know, they were obviously really excited. Uh, I think, uh, you know, some people are, are still a little uh, in disbelief of it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, my dad just said, that he thinks of uh, all stars is not as not his son, so uh, he's having a hard time uh, putting two and two together. But um, you know, obviously they're they're really happy for me, and um, you know, a lot of them are, are going to be coming out and to to kind of share some of the stuff uh, during the All Star weekend, and um, it'll be fun. You know, because uh, it's it, it isn't all about you. You know, it, it's about the people that help you get on this journey. And when you think about your parents and you think about your family and you think about everybody that, that they, they, they did all the car rides, they did everything they could to help you get to this point. I, I mean, it really is a celebration. Uh, what do you think it's going to be like for everyone once they get to Colorado? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. Um, I think, There'll be a lot going on, a lot of things to do. Hopefully I can 
um, get some time to, to spend with them, like you said. Uh, you know, it is, you know, everything that happens on the field is a culmination of, of the way I was brought up and, and you know, my parents making sacrifices to get me to games and doing all the little things. And, um, you know, I, I'm very grateful for, for what my family has done to, you know, allow me to, to be in this spot. So, uh, yeah, it'll be good to kind of come full circle a little bit and, and celebrate, you know, a cool moment in my life with them as a way of thanks. You know, this might be a better question after the game, once you've played in it and you've been around it, but I know you've thought about this your entire life. Uh, uh, where are you with that as someone growing up going, God, playing in the All-Star game would be amazing. You now are going to be doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it should be cool. Um, I'm, I'm sure uh, there'll be some butterflies when whenever I get in the game. And, um, you know, like you said, it's it's one of those things that, you know, as a kid, you think about doing, um, you know, for doesn't happen for everybody. So, uh, like I said, I'm honored. Um, you know, I just am uh, excited. And then how about home run derby? You are in it. You've been slotted. You're already going to go up against Trey Mancini to start this thing out. Uh, what are your thoughts about home run derby? Yeah, that was another thing. Uh, as a kid, you want to do it. So when, when the opportunity was presented to me, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, I think I'd regret it if I ended up not doing it. So we'll give it a shot. Uh, <laughs> historically haven't been the best home run derby guy, but, uh, who knows, maybe I'll get hot and, you know, I, I know it'll be fun at the least. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens there. And if you're going to do home run derby, Coors Field, are you kidding me? I mean, if there was one place to be able to do this, uh, what do you think about doing it at Coors Field up in the elevation and the altitude? Yeah, it is. It will be a, a really cool spot, uh, along with the names that are that are doing it, whether it's, uh, you know, Alonzo or Gallo or Otani or Soto, a lot of a lot of guys who who got some real uh, pop. So I'm I'm predicting we see some some pretty cool baseballs uh, hit during that derby. When you've taken BP here before, what, what what's it like taking BP at Coors Field? Um, yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, you know, the ball does jump a little bit. Uh, We'll we'll see. Uh, you know, I think they they do the humidor balls for us normally. I don't know what the case is with the uh, the derby, but yeah, you know, sometimes if you uh, you get a ball up in the air that you don't really think is is gonna have the juice, uh, sometimes in Colorado it just it keeps carrying with that altitude. So hopefully, there's a lot of that going on on uh, Monday night or or whatever night the derby is. Yeah, I, I, I think we're going to have the balls outside of the humidor for this thing. So it's going to be uh, grip it and rip it. What is the key to hitting home runs, hitting a lot of them? Is there a rhythm that you get in into? Is there a thought process? What What is like when, when, when you just have a 
a BP session and, and you just start ripping them out of the ballpark? Yeah, you know, I don't – honestly, my my BPs, I, I try to kind of stay more line drive um, personally. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't really have too many BPs where I'm just, you know, rattling – you know, 15, 20 straight homers. So uh, this is going to be a little, uh, it'll be a little adjustment for me, but, um, you know, I, I, I already got a little advice from Chad to, to uh, you know, not, not worry about trying to lift it too much and just take your normal BP and, and you know, square them up with a little, little bit of loft, but uh, not to go, not to go too far with it. You know, the one thing about your season so far this year, and it's something that we, you know, we talked to you at the beginning of the year about how last year you may have got too wrapped up in video and, and you had too many thoughts in your head, more C-ball, hip-ball this year. And also the one thing we've noticed, you going the other way more than ever. What has that thought process been like for you and beating the shift on a consistent basis? yeah it's been something that's that's happened a little more this year um i think it's been a combo of um i think my swing has just been in a better spot overall and um you know when i've been a little late on pitches i've i've done the right thing and and gone the other way with it as opposed to uh being late and swinging through it or, or fouling it off so um you know that that plus um, just the confidence of, of hitting a few balls that way. And then, you know, knowing, trusting that you can be a little late and doing it. Um, you know, it's, it's been nice to, to be able to, you know, get back to the, uh, the all field hitter that I, that I feel like I, I can be. And, um, you know, I want to continue that. Have you noticed since you've been doing this, have they, have they changed how they shift you to certain teams? I have I've gotten a couple times um, where they moved back over normal and um, you know got a hit or two up the middle because of it. So <laughs> it was nice to to watch a ground ball uh, go over second base and then the outfield for once. <laughs> you know that that yeah that 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 is something that that I wonder if they ever ban the shift. Uh, is, is you know everybody grows up being told hit the ball back up the middle. Well, now there's a guy there. It's like it's completely yeah. changed from what you're taught from a very early age. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it is really weird. Um, I mean, that's, that's been what everybody's pretty much told us our whole life growing up. And then starting a couple of years ago, it's automatically taken away. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it's, there are spots they aren't playing, but they're obviously not playing there because it's harder to hit it there. So, um, and these guys pitch to the shift. Uh, they're they're aware of of where guys are playing. So, yeah, it's just another little challenge that that uh, we got to deal with. You know, I can tell you, like when we're, when we're doing this show and doing the post game show, and a couple losses to the Astros. Uh, the fan base is gripping, obviously. But what is it like for you guys? Because you're very cool, calm, and collective. What's it like for you guys when you go through a little bit of rut, how there isn't that, you know, finger on the panic button inside the clubhouse? 
Yeah. Um, you know, obviously a couple tough losses here the last couple of days. Uh, but, you know, I think, I think everybody's just uh, looking at the big picture. Um, you know, we're about to be at the break and we typically do a lot of our, you know, play a lot of our best baseball after the break. It's just how we've been the past couple of years. And um, so, you know, I don't think anybody's panicking at all. Um, a lot of time left before the end of the season and playoffs and um, division champ stuff starts coming around. So, you know, we're just going to uh, take it day by day, win, try to win this game today and, um, you know, continue off through the rest of the season. Hopefully we get hot in, in the second half. How impressed have you been by your starters? Because your starters are leading baseball in innings pitched. They've been great. Um, Bass and Manaya are kind of, you know, leading leading the guys, and um, you know, they've obviously all of them have great stuff, and you know, we want them having a the ball, but it just this year, it's felt like just a different mentality from the guys. Um, you know, that they, they want to go as deep as they can. They they want the ball at the start of the game. Um, it's been awesome to watch, and it's been. You know, it's put us in a lot of good positions to, to win games. Well, you know, one of the biggest transitions for you has been the new puppy that you have at home. <laughs> How have you been able to handle the new puppy? Because, you know, new puppies, it's a whole different ball game in the house. Yeah, well, actually, the, pup, the pup's still back in Georgia with my fiance. So I'm, I'm more dealing with not being able to see the puppy. You know, I'm getting... All the all the cool pictures and videos, and I don't get to hang out with them. You know, I got talked into the new puppy, and the kids were going to pick up after the dog. They were going to do <laughs> everything. They were going to walk the dog because I have I have twin girls that are fifteen. By the way, who do you think's walking the dog and picking that's up? That's all you. Dog? Yeah. Yeah, that's all you. I got sold a bag of goods. So you don't even have kids yet, and you got sold the bag of goods. Yeah, but you know, it'll it'll be worth it when I get back in the off season, and you know, I got I got somebody to hang out with when I'm done with my day at, at one o'clock in the afternoon. Well, you know, the great thing about being named to the All Star Game, it's something that stays with you for the rest of your life. You know what? Like I said earlier, whether you. You go onto your Wikipedia page or you go to baseball reference, it'll always put that AS there. It'll be an all-star. And I know that's something that uh, everybody thinks about being in this game one time. And I think you're going to be in it a long time. Uh, I've said this before on the show. If I have to bet of any A that I think could be an MVP anytime soon, it's going to be you. I just think, you know, going with, with the family and your parents and the fiancé, this is going to be one of the great moments uh, 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 of your sporting career. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Uh, very kind words. And, yeah, um, should be fun and hopefully more to come. Well, hopefully next time we, we're, we're back on the field. We, we got to be actually Ace Cast Live back on the field. So uh, hopefully we will see you soon. But good luck in the All-Star Game. Enjoy every minute of it. It's one of the great honors that you'll ever have in your career. And we'll see you back in Oakland. Sounds good. Thank you. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.